Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fast Talk, your source for the science of endurance sports training. I think I got it right this time. Hey, guys, you know what we should do today? What should we do today? Let's do a potluck. Well, I'm here, so I guess we might as well, huh? Potluck. What are you, a casserole? What do I bring to a yeah, potluck? You, 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 is it what, casserole what is today? My tip? Okay, that is a great question. What is your typical go-to to bring to a potluck? I don't have any friends. That's a cop-out. Well, you guys were full of family. cop-outs in the last potluck. I don't have any friends family. either. I've I don't been have to any a family. potluck. You have family. And whatever my wife makes. Oh, there it is. Okay. No, there I don't goes. know. Let's see. What would I bring to a potluck? Like lasagna. I like bringing lasagna to things. It's pretty good. Way more time-consuming than it should be, but oh well. What do you take? Do you take pancakes with maple syrup? Syrup? No, that's not paleo at all. <laughs> yeah. Trevor you can make paleo pancakes. Can, can you though? I seen them. Not yeah, yet. I got my issues with those. I'm sure. Let's sprinkle some paleo on you it. You know what I like to bring? I, chicken wings. I make a really good hot wing sauce, and I like to bring chicken wings. Here is my philosophy on potluck: Do I like the people or do I not? <laughs> because if I don't, I will cook something. Yeah, and they will Christmas have to deal with great. my cooking. If I like them, I'm going to stop at the supermarket on the way and get something that actually tastes good. Sure. Can you cook? Legitimate question. Are you like... No. No. This is what I tell people. If you want to talk to me about nutrition, I can tell you what to eat. If you want my help on how to make it taste good, you're barking up the wrong tree. Uh, Can you cook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I, yeah. I I love to cook because I'm like an experimenter. I love to try different cooking techniques, and I'm a gadget guy. So I got oh okay. Everything. I've been sous viding steak, and it is glorious. Really? Yeah, really? It's, okay. it's it's legitimately good. I gotta try that. Yeah, you can borrow it if you want. Um, no, we have, we have one. I like to cook too. I my problem is I'm an experimenter as well. So I'll make a <laughs> sauce, and my wife will go, "That sauce was great." Yeah. yeah. Would you do? And I'll go, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. You could never. It's, yeah, it's like a one-hit wonder. So right? she'll yeah. often say, make that sauce you made last time. And I try, and she'll look at me and go, it's not as good, which is a bit of a story in my life with my relationship. Yep. <laughs> so here's the last 10 years of cooking for me, because I cook for myself. <laughs> okay. every, every night I go home, I go, what would I like to eat tonight? I think of all these great ideas. And then I followed up with the question of, what can I actually do? <laughs> and then I just give a big sigh and cook the same thing I cooked the last night, which was also the same thing I cooked the night before. We we have determined this in past potlucks, your love of the same thing over yeah. and No, over it's again. the only thing I can cook. Stir fry. <laughs> okay. oh, My go-to bad, is stir fry because well, yeah, that's okay. all I can do. But you can it's change versatile. up stir fry. Yeah. There's a lot of different. Yeah, I have like- many dressings that I can put on top of There that. you go. There you go. It's like a bunch of LT workouts. You can do lots of different things to achieve the same thing you certainly can but our, i don't know that we're this whole episode isn't about cooking is it it could be but it no it could be that i don't even know what uh, the questions are I, here. I guess that was my question hi everyone this is coach connor fast talk labs has released the newest module from the craft of coaching with joe Friel. as coaches many of us want to coach dream athletes these are athletes who are highly motivated highly talented and highly coachable but the truth is there aren't many dream athletes out there There are, however, a lot of athletes looking for a new coach who may be a little harder to work with, but are good people with important goals too. Joe Friel's latest addition to the Craft of Coaching series shows coaches how to extend their comfort zone to include a wider variety of athletes. You'll also hear from master coaches, including Julie Young, Dave Schell, Scott Safer, Joe Lopresto, and Christine Scherzinger. Become a more versatile and effective coach. Check out the Craft of Coaching at fasttalklabs.com. Grant, what's your question today? 
All right, my question is this, and as we've noted in the past that I tend to get into a little bit of what's happening in the world right now, Rob will tell his stories, Trevor will stay married to his science. So here's my question. We've seen it all in the tour this year. We've seen it on the cross bike. We've seen all these things. There's this trend of turning the hoods in on the bars. There is this trend of going to 38 wide bars with the hoods turned in. There was a joke on somebody that they think their hoods could touch if they were close But there's enough. also a trend of going to 48 wide bars and turning the hoods in on the gravel <laughs> seat. So we're playing okay. one day. I'm going to turn my hoods out, I uh, think, just to buck the trend. Oh, I think that's great. But I have been noticing some of my contemporaries in age, A, poo-pooing the hoods turned in for... Ability to drive the bike. Curmudgeon-y bastards. I have seen some poo the idea of the hoods turned in for aesthetics. Retro grouch. Maybe Rob is I hope you don't his. say a third thing. I don't have a third thing I to don't say. have a third thing either. But what is your take on the bars turned in trend? I'm not the first person to look at. Because of this, I'm not like a value judgment like you should or you shouldn't do something kind of guy. That's an answer. That's an answer. I, frankly, I don't really care. I hate this is my cop-out episode. You guys have copped out in the past. I don't really care what people do. I love that answer. More power to them. I would be more impressed if they were wearing tank tops in the tour <laughs> while they were doing, you know, let's just buck all the trends. But no, man, for me, it, I don't care if they're doing it because it's faster. If they're doing it because they think it looks better, it makes no difference to me. You do you. Done. Mic drop. Boom. What about... You Trevor can't, can't even say anything. You're, you're, you're looking up. at me? He's just staring at me. <laughs> so you're asking the guy, the handlebars of my bike over there were probably bought in the 1990s. Yeah, but you're the... You should be asking me whatever the trend was in 2003, and that, I that could give like, you a response. That is but like an old school ergo drop, I feel like, no, over I'm there. No, I'm serious. I've got handlebars in my garage that I bought in the 90s that I probably put on one of my bikes or another... I don't think I've bought a new set of handlebars in 20 years. So you're asking me about this I'm trend. I'm like, you about hey, the bars. I need somebody you, to explain to me what this trend is because I have not caught up. You can still turn your hoods in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you need a five mil Allen key. You can just loosen that baby up, turn it in a little. We'll do it right now. And we'll do it right Wait. now and see how you like Bryce, it. Bryce, go get me an Allen set and I'm going to fix I, Trevor's bike. I thought Trevor would have an answer on the aerodynamic piece. I really did. I thought so, you'd be all about it. My answer is kind of a throw here because we actually had Leonard Zinn on the show we brought up those handlebars, and he just said, I don't get it. <laughs> okay. And so I personally don't get it, but I was waiting for Leonard to be like, well, here's all the science behind it, because he is the tech guy. So when Leonard goes, I don't get it, I'm right there with him. But huh? Leonard's seven and a half feet tall. He can't do anything that's narrower. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and, and I love Leonard. He's you know, got no uh, aerodynamic hope yeah, anyway. Exactly. Is that like, what we're going at? Out the window for I've that I've seen guy. the head tube on his bikes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's all head. Well, so here's a question, because there are trends that you see in the gear that actually have an explanation, be it aerodynamic, be it performance. Sure. There are other trends that are, let's just face it, they're fashion. Absolutely. Which one is this? I think it got its start from a belief that there is an aerodynamic advantage. And I think that now it's become a degree of fashion. And I fall in the camp very similar to Rob, which is, who cares? I do think guys my age get into this idea that the way the bike should look should always be the way the bike should look. 
I remember when they started wiring cables underneath tape. Oh, my God. And people lost their mind right. because that doesn't look right. That doesn't look right. Now the trend is make sure there's no wires or cables anywhere, nothing showing. Again, ostensibly under the idea that there's a huge aerodynamical advantage, aerodynamic advantage to this. Sure, maybe there is, but it's not dramatic. But it looks really sleek and it looks really cool. Well, so this is totally off the cuff and this might be right or wrong, but here's my potential explanation. If you have the lower part of the drop, so they stick out, mm -hmm. that means the top of the handlebars are a little narrower. Mm -hmm. My guess is the reasoning here is when you're up on the hoods, you're trying to be arrow, you're broken yep. away. So bring those hoods in closer to bring your yep. arms in and get more aerodynamics. Right. When you're down on the bottom of your drops, you're sprinting. You want more leverage on the bike, and the further out they are, the more leverage you have. So that's my guess of the explanation behind these. My one issue with this, and they've done this in wind tunnel testing, is unless you bring your arms right together, so they're practically touching, bringing the arms in closer makes no difference. So just getting a couple inches closer, no difference whatsoever. So to me, I get the leverage for when you're sprinting. I don't get to bring the hoods a little closer in order to get a little more aerodynamics. That's, for the science I've read, has been proven, doesn't help. You know what the best part of this conversation is? The three of us have absolutely no clue why people do this, which yeah. really just drives home the fact that I'm like 40 years old and I'm getting older. And but, we're like speculating, like, why are all these cool okay. kids doing it this way? We have no clue yeah, what's going age. on. This, this is, is my whole point, that there's a whole bunch of people our age sitting around. They got no clue too. They're just Pat, doing it because- I know. <laughs> They're just passing judgment based on what they think is the right thing that should yeah. be done and here are the rules my point is screw your rules who cares if they want to do this i'm tired of people getting up there and going well you can't drive your bike when the hoods are turned in you can't i can't i'm terrible driving my bike when the hoods are turned out <laughs> i need so a steering wheel what's it matter so here's my one counter argument i don't see the 20 something year olds buying all the new trendy stuff because a lot of them don't have any money <laughs> None the people who are buying all the new technology, the new in thing, are the people in their 40s and 50s because they can afford it. But this isn't new technology. Yeah, this, this is, is just, as Rob said, this is taking a five mil and turning your hoods in. You don't really have to do anything Fair, about yeah. this. Now, I do wonder, because I'm speculating and I hate to speculate and I hate the fact that I have to, is it? risk comfort maybe like and maybe have a nor more of a neutral position when you are i will i have tried this minor oh slight. see he tried it a lot of my riders are mid-20s and their hoods are turned in and i've tried this on a cr on my cross bikes when you are in your hiding position as somebody once described it to me when you're trying to get arrow when you're trying to get small and you're Forearms are down on the tops mm -hmm. of your bars and you're holding onto your hoods and they're slightly turned in. It's way more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's why you see arrow bars that tips of the arrow bars are turned in. So some of that's aerodynamics. As you said, when you can bring something together in front of your chest, you create an aerodynamic advantage. But that slight turn in is more comfortable. You don't want to be out there like this. Yeah. I will fully tell you as a breakaway rider. I completely set up my handlebars for breaking away and not sprinting because it's me. Why bother? 
<laughs> so we can look at you. And I always kept my hoods a little higher than most people on the handlebars. Hmm. Not as much as you see now, but I always had them turned in just a little because that was more comfortable. And I remember too, when we went to hydraulic disc brakes and the hoods themselves got <laughs> bigger, they got yep. huge. Those first Ram ones, woo, they were, they were huge, but all of a sudden you could ride gripping the tops of your hoods yeah. and not necessarily your bars even. Yep. And so the other thing that may come into this is what did those younger riders learn to ride on? What did they like? What did they like to grab onto? Because we grew up, what did we grow up riding on? Like hoods made out of gum, right? I grew up riding on mountain bikes personally. Whatever. But I think that's a thing that us older masters guys that have the money that are buying the stuff, as you say, need to get over ourselves a little bit and stop declaring what is appropriate and not appropriate for a professional rider in their mid twenties, because this drove me a little bit crazy when people were like, Oh, you can't handle your bike on hoods turned in like that. I'm like, I can't, you can't, but they sure as hell can. Cause they're riding they can ride a pro a tour, man. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, that was a little bit of my high horse this week, but I was just curious to where you guys came with it. And I don't know that you gave me much, but gave okay. you, no, we gave you the right nothing. answer. It's so, a potluck. Some of this look, is about look, nothing. Yeah, it's just a fast talk version again, of Seinfeld. Look at who you're talking to. <laughs> that over there, you're looking at it, is it's, my it, brand new race bike. A sloping it top is tube, from though. 2014. That is my newest bike. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at that and thought it was pretty fancy for you. It is fancy. That's my point. You show up for races in like jerseys that barely freaking fit and nothing matches. You're a train wreck, man. And then you just go sit on the front and demolish everybody for an hour. I, I'm proud of this. You have no <laughs> idea. Like this isn't. It's look, actually part of his image. He, he cultivates, he cultivates this. <laughs> this, care, this feeling of not caring. Yeah, I remember when I got into racing and I was racing up in BC when I was starting to take it really seriously. And Swain Tough would show up to races. And Swain would be this guy sitting under a tree in a beat-up kit on a Norco bike, which in Canada, you're like, seriously, you're on Norcos? Swain right. don't care. So you would look at all this and go, who is this guy? He's a train wreck. And then you get in the race, and he would destroy all of us. And I was like, that's who I want to be. It, that's the ultimate flex, right? It is. If you look like you're trying really hard and blah, 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 whatever, people expect it or they make fun of you. But if you look like you don't care, flexing hard on people. So this is my approach to life. If everybody can just <laughs> under like you don't if everybody just underestimates you every time you, you walk no, into a room. It, it's not that you look like you don't care, it's that you look like you've given up. <laughs> and there's a difference. It's an important difference too. Like, Grant, you have something to live for. Grant. Maybe I have given up, man. Who knows? I, oh, we look, we have gotten every little bit of blood out of this stone, and it was not a lot. It was so. a lot, but I, okay, so we'll move on here from that to uh, you, Trevor. Okay, I've got a question, and guess what? It is a training question. Awesome. And I'm going to go with what I'm doing in my own training because I want to hear your opinions on this. I have always when you're doing threshold work, been more into the short intervals, five minutes, maybe eight minutes with very short recoveries. Because if you have the short recoveries, if you do five by fives, it's really a 25 minute effort because yep. your body isn't going to back down that much, but you could do it at a higher wattage and you get a higher quality workout. I was never a big fan of the 15, 20 minute threshold intervals because I just don't feel you do them with as high a quality. This year, just because 
I've been doing the five by fives and the four by eights for so many years. I wanted to try something different. So right now I'm doing two by twenties. Actually, I'm doing them on sunshine. You hit the top at 19, so 19 minutes. I'm actually doing two by 19 minutes. I love it, but it's a hard place to do long intervals. I don't have any problem with it. I hit 20 minutes. It's like trying to roll a boulder uphill for you. (laughs) I I am technically doing two by 19s. And I'm loving them. Okay, They're now I get why you're fun. doing two by 19s. Okay. They are a lot of fun. Probably because it's something different. But here's my question. And my wattage is lower. When I was doing the sure. four by eights, I was doing those probably about, you know, surprisingly, only about 20 watts higher. Mm-hmm. Am I getting as good a workout? Because I'm struggling with this because I was always so against the 15, 20-minute interval. So something that's really important to think about here is Trevor, who knows so much about training, constantly asks us questions about, about the training that training. he's doing. Because I'm always thinking about I, it. I think everybody should and be a little afraid of the dubious advice he's been giving because <laughs> <laughs> he go. obviously has no clue what he's doing out there. No. But this, I, look, I, I kid. I, kid, I, I, I kid. know you're kidding, but look, this is my approach. I think if you ever just go, this is the absolute truth, I'm never going to re-question it. You get outdated. Everything, even if I felt very strongly about it, I think you always need to go back and re-question. And the answer might be, yeah, no, I, we had it right the first time. Yeah. Or you might discover something new. But the, if you aren't re-questioning, if you aren't willing to challenge even your most sternly felt beliefs, I feel you fall behind. So this is what I do. This is how I experiment. I, I love to challenge these things. I'm, I'm going to jump on this one first, unless you have no. A, go for okay, it. Go for awesome. it. When you're doing longer intervals, then you're obviously trying to target a threshold wattage or threshold adaptation or whatever else. And we do have a great threshold episode that people can listen to with Hunter Allen. So that implies to me you have a very specific goal with why you're doing this workout. And I believe that a volume at this intensity level, I do think that volume is important and that maximizing volume is there. And so if you have a decreased fitness and you're only able to do five minutes, then do five minutes and try to work that up. And for somebody that's stronger like Trevor, then working up toward an hour's worth of work at this level is great. But this is more of a a maximizing that volume, right? Where it seems to me, if you're doing shorter intervals at 20 watts more, are you doing the same workout or are you targeting something totally different? Now, if we're talking about doing a threshold and you're targeting 95 to 100% of your FTP, if you can do that only for 10 minutes and hold that because that's all the ability that you have, then yeah, let's break that up into five-minute chunks. Let's break that up into eight-minute chunks. Let's make it so that you can do 20 minutes, 30 minutes worth of work there instead of flaming out at 10 and then not being able to do a second one because you're so fatigued. You know, Trevor, in your case, though, I think because you can hold that 95 to 100% of your FTP for 20 minutes and do it again for the next one, then I think that, yeah, that is the progression of an athlete. And that, in my opinion, those longer intervals are important because I think that there are other adaptations, and this is getting more sciencey than a potluck typically is, that are involved with, say, some glycogen depletion and PCG1-alpha expression and all of those aspects that you do need that volume to get the total thing. So my vote is if you can do it for longer, do it for longer. If you can't, then do it shorter, but maximize your totals. So one quick response. Remember, the definition of FTP is the power you can hold for an hour. Yep, I guess so. So 
everybody Whatever. can do 20 minutes at 95% of their FTP or they got their FTP really wrong. All right. This brings to the next piece of the puzzle. Okay. So why do we do intervals in the first place? Because hour of power is not something that mentally or physically you're going to be able to do all the time. You probably are going to need to be tapered, prepared physically to do that and really mentally need to be prepared to do that. All right. So let's back it up. So we're going to break that into pieces the shorter the piece or the shorter the rest, the longer the piece, you get a little bit of a longer rest, right? We What's generally the rule of thumb is if you're trying to keep something at the threshold idea, make sure the rest is less than half of what you're doing. Just a general rule of thumb. So if you're doing five minute or you're trying to recover at one to two minutes, something along those lines. This is a mental break. I have a whole bunch of things to throw at this. I like to go the longer stuff early in the season with just a little bit lower intensity because we're working our way up to that. I think that usually the load early in the season is probably a little bit less. Maybe they're not, the rider's not as tired. They're probably not as mentally fatigued because they haven't been racing nearly as much. So they're going to be able to handle that 20 minute mentality. A little lower power output, still in the same range, still in the same training idea. But then when we get into the season, it's a little hotter out, a little different situation. Maybe we got some residual fatigue from racing. And eh, we'll go to the five by fives. We'll go to the four by tens. Or in that idea of Dr. Seiler, maybe we go four by eight. We have an exceptional great week. Maybe we'll go five by eight this week. We'll extend that time under load. In your four by eights, we're talking above threshold or below FTP? Okay. Four by eights, this is a totally different question, but I don't have any understanding of why anybody would do an eight above. Because you can. <laughs> next, next, That's the answer. <laughs> Any, <laughs> anyway. I do agree with you. I have one last piece to put in this, and this is a little bit of a soapbox, and I think this is the great part about potlucks is we each get to get up on our soapbox for a minute. People do threshold intervals uphill. 2 by 19, 2 by 20 up sunshine is easy to do at that wattage. Yes. Quotes. Easy. Now go out, find a flat course, yeah, right. and give me 2 by 20 on a flat course. Much harder. People aren't going to be able to do that. It's right. a super hard thing to do. So depending on where you are in the country, do you have mountains to go uphill for 20 minutes? No. Maybe this is when we break it down into five minutes because you can stay on top of the pedals for five minutes or eight minutes or something along those lines. I would advise anybody who exclusively does their intervals in the mountains to do some of them on flats because we do not race in the tour. If you race in the tour, yeah, get in the mountains. But if you're not a tour racer, 90% of the races you're going to see around here are on flats. Make sure you're able to put that power uh, look, out on flat. Another way, a great way to do this, which... I used to have the opportunity for, is there a weekly time trial going on? Yeah. And I used to love to go to that because then you have that motivation to put the power out on the something that's flatter. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great point having, and this is one of the things that I actually like Zwift for. Zwift racing is yes. not super punchy. It's, there's some surges in it, but you get in, you can do a 15, 20 minute crit. And you're basically hanging out at your threshold the entire time with a little surge above, a little surge below. And so it's very real world-esque yeah. LT work. The flip side of this, though, is when it comes to doing all of your training on the trainer, again, that's not 
very good specificity for going and racing around. Yeah, but outside. you could turn your hood so far you in. Could. on the track. So far in, you don't even need hoods at that point. But you had to bring that back, didn't you? <laughs> you know, for cyclocross, as the weather gets bad and yep. the days get dark, I know I find a lot of time on the trainer, and I can crush trainer workouts. But it doesn't translate through riding through heavy ground that's bumpy. It, it's just it's not the same. You have to be doing applying this power where you need to when you actually perform. So that's it. That that would be my take. I like the longer stuff early, Trevor, that I love the idea of mixing things up. I love the idea of keeping it mentally fresh because what are you going to be able to handle and create a cumulative time at an energy system? And that's, as you said, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be in this LT energy system for a period of time. And if you can't do it in two by 20, you can't get 40 minutes in. That's the one downside of five by five. It's only 25 minutes under load. Yep. Definitely. So the truth here is this is because Grant never writes anything down. So he can't remember the last workout he gave his athlete. So he just gives them something new. That's why he always gives them something (laughs) new. I love that he's not even arguing. He's actually (laughs) thinking about it going, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do do think that after some of these potlucks, I always go back and wait and see how many clients I lose. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is true of all of us. This is a mutual self-destruction. We just pulled back the curtain and I have a whole bunch of athletes that are like, I got to get the hell out of that. So look, I will, before we move on to Rob's question, I'll give you the little bit of the history here and why I'm experimenting with this. We were talking with Dean Golich in the winter and he was talking about his routine. And he does in the winter, as you said earlier on, give his athletes, he actually gives them three by 20 because he wants to have an hour. And his comment was, I have seen no difference in the improvements if they do it at 100% of FTP or 95% of FTP. So I want to get that accumulation of time and 95% of FTP, three by 20 is actually a very manageable workout. At the time I was doing my four by eights and I wasn't enjoying it. I'm like, this is my 15th year doing four by eights. I'm tired of them. He brought that up and I'm like, let's give it a try. Even though I've spoken out against this and Hate to say it, I've been loving them. Yeah. And that's right there. That's it for me. I don't know which is better. I don't know if we can know which is better, but the best thing, go out and try it. Yeah. See how it does for you. I will admit to being in a place last week where I went out and said, I'm going to do some threshold and it was hot and I was struggling and I looked at it and went, I just can't get 10 minutes under load in a row today. I'm going to do six by five, because I'm going to get myself 30 minutes out of that. And I can stay under load for that long, even in pieces. And I think it was purely mental because I was only going to take two minutes rest between the fives and it worked out just fine. I was going to take three, three and a half minutes rest between the tens, but it worked for me that day. And I think we used to go out with Neil all the time and Neil loved sunshine. Yeah. I hate it. was because we used to work at the bottom. I hate literally right sunshine. there. So everything we would do would be going up sunshine and we would do five by fives up sunshine. And I remember, or pyramid of power or something up sunshine. I remember people looking at me going, how am I supposed to be recovery watts going up this? this yeah. It's like a 15% grade. Right. So two by 20 makes a lot of sense up that because 
you're not recovering when you stop yeah, pedaling. You, you would anyway. have to literally turn yeah. back, go yeah, back downhill. Yeah, yeah. You're, and you might not have enough time for that. Like you're doing 250 watts recovering yeah. just to move. Hey, I will say I, I was testing a Pro Tour rider for HIPAA purposes. I won't say who it was. And at the end of their test, they said, hey, I'm going to go out and do a quick recovery cool-down ride. And they went up sunshine. <laughs> I was like, only in your world is that a, a recovery, recovery ride. ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, it's here, our guide to polarized training featuring Dr. Steven Seiler. Training for endurance sports can be hard. It's way too easy to do too much for too long and pay the price. Our frequent contributor, Dr. Steven Seiler, is widely considered to be the modern pioneer of polarized training. We are excited to offer you the largest and most comprehensive body of work on this topic. All this content is free through September 29th. See it now at fasttalklabs.com. Oh, guys, my question always begins with a story. And for full disclosure, because we're always learning things about people, the reason they become story-based is I don't really think about these until I'm riding my bike the day before we, we record. I come relatively unprepared, and I take that time. And yet, everybody makes fun of me. I know, it's true, but I look Wait like I minute. showered this morning. <laughs> look. You know what these potluck episodes have done to me? Like, I am 51 years old. And I've been spending the whole, Trevor is a nightmare. I, I have been spending the whole year going, I am 51 and single. I don't get it. What's going on? After these potluck episodes, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. So <laughs> That's if there are any ladies single. that are actually entertained by this, then Trevor at FastTalkLabs.com is waiting to hear from you. We are on our fourth episode. And if anybody ever wanted to date me and they listened to these I'm never dating again. I, I just, I love how you're looking at me as if the potluck format is entirely my fault. <laughs> the name is your fault. The name is my fault. The and the format might be my fault yeah, too, well, but you know, I think it's good. I think we all get, like I said, the curtain is being pulled back. So there I was just riding along, which is how all good bike riding stories Any good start. story starts yes. with JRA. I was just riding along at 10 o'clock last night because... I have taken to this habit of doing weekly night rides on Wednesday night, mostly because I like to do a volume day after an intensity day, and I do a shorter climbing workout on Tuesdays, full disclosure. And this is the only way I can get a long ride in during the week. You're busy. We're all busy. We're involved in small businesses and families and whatnot. How do you get riding time in? My solution was this. I go home, I hang out with my family, I cook dinner, I put people to bed, and then I get on my bike and I set off into the sunset literally last night. It was and, and beautiful. Just to back this, I sent Rob a message at 6 o'clock last night. Oh. I hear nothing at 10.10. My phone bings and it's Rob going, just finished my ride, getting your message. I texted you back from the garage. I was still <laughs> kitted up and sweating when I sent that message. And I have a beautiful sunset picture that maybe we can use for this episode from last night. But my question is this, what extreme measures have you guys gone through to get training in? And at the end of the day or the end of the season, was it worth it? Should you have gone to that measure? I have a lot of experience with this because I used to travel so much when I was coaching swimming. And, you know, what? either when I was racing triathlon or I was racing cross and trying to be really serious about it. I have a lot of workouts that I did on an inclined bike in a hotel 
workout room. Everybody's or, staring at you. Yeah, like, who like is this just guy? Hammering a seated bike. And thinking that you're doing 900 watts for 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> really feeling good about myself walking out of there. Yeah, so I did a lot of that, honestly. And I think within reason, I would find some benefit out of that. I think I had to go in understanding that, wow, this is working a very different muscle group than when I'd be sitting on a bike. Right. Or I found a upright bike, but the saddle was bigger than my head and I it hurt if I tried to ride for more than a half an hour. I do think what I started to do was move to a place where I would try to load before I left and then just go on the trip and say, you know what, this is my rest and adaptation and I'm just going to let it be. Because eventually what I started to find, and I think this is a little bit of what you may be alluding to, is the fatigue, the stress, all of those things started to overwhelm the potential fitness gain I was getting out of them. So I would go on, I would go in these situations and start to exercise for sanity, not train for benefit. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly the reason I'm thinking about this. I didn't finalize my question until this morning when I looked at my whoop score and it was in the single digits. My my heart rate was through the roof. My heart rate variability was down. You know, and I, I questioned, I was like, man, should I have actually gone out to do that ride? Was that worthwhile for me if it hit me so hard? Fortunately, I always take Thursdays as a recovery day. And so today's a recovery day for me. But yeah, I got to ask that. I had fun. I'm glad that I did it. For It served that purpose. But I'm not sure it was the best choice for training for me. Yeah, I remember playing indoor soccer back in the day and you'd play games at 10 o'clock at night. And I remember coming home from a 10 o'clock game, getting home, drinking a beer in part to try to calm myself down (laughs) so that I could fall asleep. It cannot fall asleep after working out that late. I remember vividly after cross Vegas, like being awake till three in the morning, not just because there was some, not because there was some huge after party going on either. (laughs) Like just sitting there like, oh my God, I cannot get to sleep because I am just so jacked up. I think it really messes with the rhythms. Trevor, I'm sure that you have. I'm silent here because I'm just overwhelmed by the question. I think the easier question for me is what extreme measures have I not gone to? (laughs) (laughs) I can picture Trevor renting this like aqua bike that he rode across a lake because it was the only thing that he could pedal. Yeah, one of those pedal kayaks. He's he's like Mm -hmm. on the ground just making pedaling motions (laughs) in the air, you know? (laughs) So continuing with the making sure I'd never get a date in my life. Another thing you should know about me is when I get an objective, be it a workout or a race or whatever in my mind, he going to do it. I'm going to do it no matter what. So to the, like I have twice now been hit by cars in the middle of a race or a workout. And my response after I pick myself up is I have to finish the race and or the workout. Not I got hit by the car. Right. But workout ain't done. Let's get at it. Ankle's broken, but the workout ain't done. (laughs) (laughs) In case of the race, I fractured my femur. Nice. I kept racing. All right. Was that a smart thing to do, Trevor? No. No. I don't think he's doubting that. I don't think he's standing there going and made the right choice. I mean, the actual moment was one of the cars in the caravan stopped, or a couple cars stopped, but one of them, they picked me up off the road. They put me in the car. And I'm still kind of delirious what's happening. And I look outside, and the guy is out there fixing my bike because the handlebars had been turned. 
And my response is, oh, good. Trevor's like, I can ride that. I can, I can ride it. So I get out of the car. They're like, literally, what are you doing? And I just walk over to him. I grab my bike, and they're all yelling at me like, stop. What are you doing? I get on the bike, and I race another two and a half hours. I want to know about training. What crazy training things have you done, Trevor? Oh, God. Like I said, I'm just overwhelmed here. Like I've already told you about the ride where I was so done. I literally had to crawl into my kitchen, lie down on the floor, and then just make things fall off my counter <laughs> so I could eat them. <laughs> I have done that. Honestly, I think the craziest one, which isn't going to sound that crazy, was, you know, I love my training camps. Mm -hmm. And I just decided my last winter at the center up in Canada, we had a six-day training camp and I was going to put in over 40 hours. And this isn't easy 40 hours. This is the training camp where on the third day, Hushang broke us up into groups of four. And we did, I think it was 10 by 12-minute team time trials. And I was in a group with two Olympians and we were all, it was all about, let's see who cracks first. So this was not easy 12 minutes. One of the guys in my group, a friend named Derek, at the end of that, we were riding home close to about the six hour mark. We're on the bike path. A woman in her sixties passes us on a commuter bike. <laughs> and I look at Derek and go, should we catch her? And Derek looks at me and says, I can't. <laughs> and the next day I got up, leg shaking, absolutely destroyed. Like, what am I going to do today? Well, seven hours, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, it makes and sense the next to me. Day, same thing, more intensity. So this was not an easy, I ended up doing 42 hours and it was a hard 42 hours. I think that might actually, even though it doesn't sound that extreme, if you do what we were doing over those six days, that sounds pretty extreme. The funny part of this is you had a lot of outs. So you could have fixed this train wreck at any point in time. I didn't want to. That's it, the thing. Well, I was exactly. enjoying this. <laughs> All right. Therein lies the secret. I did not have a whoop score, but if the whoop went into the negatives, the negatives. it would have yeah, gone into yeah, the yeah, negatives yeah, yeah, in yeah. that camp. Yeah. Whoop, yeah. <laughs> one. I did have a rider recently who called me up and goes, hey, my whoop score this morning was one. I've had that. <laughs> it was like, that must have been a good night, buddy. I know. Wow. You got after it. Good job. I know. I think that people can end up in situations where they want to drive it. It's like a sign, right? Where you drive it even lower. Look at how hard I work. You know? Yeah, Maybe and, and I do think that's a big piece of this, right? It's We are committed to the work, whatever that work is, that we can't. Like one of the things that I don't like about Training Peaks is that they give you the red or the orange when yep. you don't uh -huh. do it. And I really think that's yeah, disruptive to athletes when they're looking at that and they see a lot of red. It's a value judgment. Yeah, it yeah. is. Especially if, if that is based on, it's almost only based on time. Oh, 100%. That's all it's based on. Right. No question. So like they did a 90 minute session with intervals and I put it in as two and a half. They get a big red thing. They didn't miss that much. They missed like an hour of base riding. And what are they training for? They're training for a cross race. Okay. You probably missed nothing in the grand scheme of things. So I think a lot of what we end up doing is this idea of, I said, I'm going to get it done. So I have to get it done. I, I do think there's a big piece of taking that step back and asking, is this the right choice? Not a plug for any specific coach, because as we've discussed, you probably want to hire none of us after listening <laughs> to these potlucks. 
But this is. I'll give it up and anybody hire me. It's like that. <laughs> I'm at that. Nobody's going to date me. Nobody's going to be friends <laughs> with me. I'm going to live a lonely <laughs> remainder of my life. That's he's, where I'm at with these. Episodes. He's going to. Trevor's going to try to adopt a dog, and the dog's going to be like, <laughs> no, dog's going to hear this. Listening to the end, it's a dog. Be like, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to phone call. Who is this? It's Trevor's dog. Come pick me up. <laughs> but I do think this is where a coach is valuable, right? This is that person to say. No, don't do that. The Not a great idea. Yeah. A good, yeah, I yeah. agree. I will fully say this is my do as I say, not as I say. And look, the only thing I will say about that asset to me, it was the only thing that gave me an advantage, whatever you want to call it, an asset in racing. Because when I am in a race, like that is my mindset. I will get hit by a car, fracture my femur, and I keep racing. I don't quit no matter what. And that was an asset. But taking that into training... We could do a whole episode with the stories of how I've gotten myself in trouble because that is can be a really dumb attitude. You got to know that about yourself. You got to know who you're dealing with here. And I used to, I had a colleague, he's been on the show. Neil is a great example of somebody who, I remember one of his athletes pinned him up for the state TT and they pinned the pin through <laughs> his skin and he didn't know I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. until after the, the race. race. He was pulling yep. his skin suit off and said, oh, it's stuck on my undershirt. And I was like, Neil, you're not wearing an undershirt, buddy. <laughs> it's stuck on you. <laughs> and it's so like that ability to turn off the brain and just get really tunnel visioned on yeah. the outcome. The athletes are fantastic at that, but it doesn't always serve the right purpose. Yeah. So I actually have another story to share just because why not? Let's flog me a little more. Listen, you're flogging yourself. Yes. I so I'm doing this. But there's a theme here. Do right? I mean, <laughs> right. It's fair. So this is a true do not do what I do. Tour of the Gila 2012. I probably got in the best shape of my life for that race. I wanted to go to that race and get a result. Because the previous year, I'd had a really good race, and I threw my back out. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I got to get revenge. I ate something. Another theme. <laughs> the day before the race started, got bad food poisoning. That night, I was in and out of the bathroom at least 10 times. Did you cook it yourself? I actually think it was a grapefruit. Pretty sure it was a grapefruit. Okay. Said no one ever. He said, no, <laughs> I am saying no. But whatever it was, okay. in and out of the bathroom, 10 times. I started the race the next day. That race, if anybody knows Gila, the first day is what, 100 miles. It's mostly flat until you hit a category one climb at the very end and finishes at the top of the climb. So you had a good weight loss plan. I <laughs> somehow managed to stay with the field almost to the climb. Because your watts per kilo were good. Oh no, my God. just because I, I, I hugged, hugged take the field. You seriously. I got <laughs> popped. I was Dead last finisher, but I got to the top. I walked over to the Gatorade table where they're handing out drinks to get a drink. The woman behind the table, I have no idea what I looked like, but obviously I looked horrible because she took the drink out of my hand and walked me to the med tent. And I got three IV bags. My nice. blood pressure was 60 over nothing. And they said, if the third IV bag, they said, if this doesn't do it, we are taking you to the hospital. They let me go after the third IV bag. And of course, what did I do? Started the next day. I started the next day. Well, you were fully hydrated. So <laughs> obviously it was the first time in days. Uh, yeah. And I was doing great for the first 80% of the race until all of a sudden in the middle of the race, I pulled over. I ran into a field. 
I traumatized the cactus. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. But the cactus didn't traumatize you? You pulled the Tom Dumoulin? I'm not going to tell you what I did. I'm just going to say I traumatized the cactus. I finished that day. I finished Gila. That was stupid. <laughs> I will be the first to say that was just absolutely dumb. Well, yeah. I'm glad you said it. I was waiting for the moral of the story. And as long as the moral of the story moral was, story I'm, gonna, really then I'm, I'm all for it. Self-reflection is probably worthwhile. What was the point of this? I think the point of this is coming back to Rob's initial question is like, my ask is think it through. My ask is go to that place and say, why am I doing this? I know I always come back to this. Am I doing this for the experience? Great. Go do it, man. But don't confuse don't fool yourself. Yeah, don't confuse something epic with something beneficial. And I think that's something that is hard for a lot of athletes, a lot of people to get together. Just because it's epic, just because it's huge, just because it's different doesn't mean it's good. And to make that point, I finished Hila. It was probably two months before I could race 100% again. I did damage. Yeah. Don't did, damage yourself. Did you do damage last night, Rob? I don't think I did. Okay. I had fun. I have a rest day. If all, goes, if all goes well for rides this weekend, I'm in the clear. What are you doing for your rest day today? You're just going to sit? You you sit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, take my, days off? My, my rest days are days off, 100%. Yeah. And then Friday is an easy base ride, and then big days on the weekend, and then easy base on Monday. So I try to get a good polarization of the intensities out there, but one day off completely. Okay. Yeah. So by just kind of adding into this, I'm going to Montana on Sunday. Yeah, you are. So I will stay on the gas all the way through Saturday. Yep. And then go to Montana and just not worry about it for a couple of days. Just not going to worry. I'm, I'm going to dig a hole, but then I'm going to go to Montana and be like, I earned this beer or I earned this <laughs> fishing time. That's kind of my mentality behind it. You got it. Listeners, since you listen to Fast Talk every week, you know that knowledge is power. And power is speed. There's no better way to get faster or to achieve your goals than by training smarter, not harder. We know that more is not better. So check this out. We have reduced the price to join Fast Talk Labs. So you're saying less is more? Uh, something like that. Now listeners can join Fast Talk Labs for just $5 per month. That's 75% less. Get full access to all our guides to training science, intervals, sports nutrition, pathways, and data analysis, all from world-class experts for just $5 a month. There's never been a better time to join Fast Talk Labs. Join now at FastTalkLabs.com. That was another episode of Fast Talk. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com or join our coaching and education community at fasttalklabs.com slash join something, something, something for Trevor Connor, Grant Holicky, Bryce, our videographer in the background. Thanks, Bryce. I'm Rob Pickles. Thanks for listening. That was surprisingly close. Well done. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm impressed. You flipped it. It's become a member of Fast Talk Laboratories at fasttalklabs.com slash join and become a part of our education. You flipped them. I was impressed as you should be. <laughs>